Speed. 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 Speed Cafe. Speedcafe.com. Your daily racing fix. Check it out. Speed Cafe. <laughs> Welcome to the Speed Cafe podcast. My name is Damien Smy, and today there's quite a lot to talk about from supercars to F1, especially this weekend with Daniel Ricciardo's return to the grid at the Hungarian Grand Prix. A um, lot of eyes on the Australian who replaces Nick DeVries. DeVries, that, that, that's how you say it, Nick DeVries. The Dutchman dumped after 10 races with Alpha Tauri. So um, uh, allegedly only 11 laps into Ricardo's test helmet, Marco had uh, made the decision. Um, it won't be easy for Ricardo though. Um, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's a crazy scenario really, but to hear more on that, um, listen to Matt Koch and Ian Parks, who are on the ground at Budapest this weekend uh, for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, if you want more in-depth coverage on Ricardo and and all the the role of the dice that he's uh, that he's made with his comeback, as well as the continuing dominance of Verstappen, uh, what this means for Perez, and of course McLaren's comeback after Lando Norris uh, and Oscar Piastri, that frustrating fourth at uh, so close to a podium for for Oscar in Britain, uh, tune into their podcast, which is the Pit Talk podcast. So Matt, Ian and Michael from Fox Sports dissecting F1 in detail. So uh, we won't do F1 in detail here, but if you're listening to our, our Monday Speed Cafe newscast, there's actually been quite a lot going on in the handful of days since. So unusually so, which is uh, good and bad. I mean, we've seen testing from the teams in Victoria um, some drivers you might not have expected behind the wheel and some interesting possibilities there. Um, there's also been some, uh, subregs and bits and pieces changed for the Sydney motorsport park round coming up next, but probably the most obvious news, uh, is Shane Van Gisbergen and Brody Kostecki, uh, announcing that they'll be racing in NASCAR, uh, in the cup series in August. So joining us now to discuss SVG and Kostecki's move over there is Speed Cafe Supercars editor, Daniel Herrero. G'day, Daniel. G'day, Damien. Mate, this is um pretty interesting. I mean, Kostecki was announced first and uh, SVG this morning. And obviously, it comes off Shane's win in Chicago. Um, but uh, yeah, why why is Brody going over there as well? And what's what's actually happening? It's it's Indy Road Course, right? Indy Road Course, yeah. So they'll be turning uh, left, but they'll also be turning right. That's the uh, <laughs> direction on the uh, oval section on that layout. No, I mean Brody, Brody Kostecki, He he did cut his teeth in stock cars um, when he was in his mid-teens in the United States. So that's his uh, his formative years in motorsport. So um, of all the supercars drivers until yeah, of all the supercars drivers until SVG just recently, he is the one that should have an idea of how NASCAR works. Um, he certainly conducts his racecraft like a NASCAR driver sometimes. Yeah, um, it was funny. It reminds me of an article we did when uh, Barry Ryan actually said uh, that Brody was driving more like Shane at the beginning of the year, or maybe around Grand Prix time, that Will Brown and Brody Kostecki were putting their elbows out and putting the car in places that Shane was doing that perhaps, and I'm sorry, Dave Reynolds, but sorry uh, to say this, but Dave Reynolds perhaps wasn't doing it places like Perth. Um, but yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, do you think... Do you think that Brody is under less pressure or more pressure than SVG? And with SVG there, does that make it easier for Brody? Because the spotlight will surely be on Shane. Surely, I, I think Brody's under under less pressure. Um, 
he's coming in and an extra entry at Richard Childress Racing, with which uh, Erebus Motorsport has a link through uh, Image Racing. Uh, that's Terry Wyhoon's Super 2 team and uh, a former employee there who's now at Richard Childress Racing. Uh, Kostecki, of course, led the championship until recently, but Shane Van Giersbergen is the bigger name. He has more of the the runs on the board and he goes there as the man in the field with a perfect uh, record in NASCAR in terms of race wins. So, um, yeah, no pressure, Shane. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's... I think, I, I think the, uh, the, well, there's more pressure on Kostecki because of what uh, Van Gisbergen did a few weeks back at Chicago, but I think it'll still be uh, SVG that'll be in the spotlight a bit more given his achievements already. And he's in the project 91 entry, which, was you know designed to bring attention to mm -hmm. NASCAR Kimi Raikkonen driving it the first couple of times, but now as uh, Justin Mark said after Chicago, that seat is basically Van Gisbergen's for as long as he wants it. Mm. And that's interesting. I mean, like you say, SVG has a perfect score, and Brody going over there. I mean, uh, what if Brody beats him? Uh, <laughs> like 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 you say. I mean, it'll be interesting. It, I think it's better that there's two supercars drivers in it because you've actually got two yardsticks to some extent too. And I mean, yeah, Shane's Shane's got the Chicago win behind him, but you've actually got two supercars drivers in it to get an even better picture of the challenges or how good one or the other is. I mean, maybe we know they're both good. I mean, Brady's um, second in the championship right now and only, only just lost the lead to Will Brown. So, uh, but the two drivers together, do you, would you place your bets on, Surely you'd bet on Shane beating Brody. I mean, we're being pretty bold here to say something like that. But um, and then I guess, like you say, that probably takes the pressure off off Brody as well. I wouldn't be so bold as to say that uh, Van Gisbergen will surely do better. But I think of those <laughs> two, he has to be the favourite just because of the fact that he's done one event. So he's done a practice session, he's done a quality session mm. already, and he's done that race at. Um, at Chicago, and this one's a, a road course, technically. Um, it's a hybrid with a bit of the oval on it. But, yeah, Shane Van Giesbergen has the uh, real world's contemporary experience because the NASCARs have changed a lot with this generation of cars. So uh, I'd still be putting my... Uh, I'd be putting my money on that SVG to beat Brody Kostecki, but I certainly wouldn't be putting the house on it at this mm -hmm. point in time. The the other thing is, obviously, Shane got out of the car at Chicago and said one more year in supercars and his contract's till the end of 2024 as well. But is this, I mean, would would this have happened without the win and is this him getting closer to an early exit for supercars, an early exit from supercars? I don't think there's anyone who believes that Shane Van Giesbergen will do one more year in supercars after this one now. Uh, I think he's I think he's had it. I think there's uh it appears that it's an accumulation of factors that uh that have him looking for an exit. Um the fact is that, you know, this announcement is not too surprising in the grand scheme of things because it was the next road course that didn't clash with the supercars event. There's one that clashes with, uh, I think it might be the Benz, uh, which is just a week later. There's one around then, um, Watkins Glen off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Um, so Trackhouse 
have said, you know, they wouldn't do any more than three a season or it becomes basically a, a third entry. This will be the third, but this wasn't in the planning um, at the time of the Chicago win. If we take Justin Marks, who's the co-owner of Trackhouse, on face value, so clearly they've liked what they've seen. And the other point to make, we touched on this on Speed Cafe um, a few days back, is that team commercially is doing all right. They've got the uh, the Bush Light, the beer sponsorship. It's currently mm. tied up with uh, Kevin Harvick's car at Stuart Haas Racing. Of course, Harvick, who's a, a Cup Series champion himself, he retires at the end of this year. And uh, Anne Alza Bush has moved their money to Trackhouse for next year. So they're going with... Um, Ross Chastain's car. We don't know the uh, the finer details, all the all the figures, all the dollar signs there. But you'd have to suspect that Trackhouse is in a pretty good place financially as a result of that. Of course, um, Pitbull, the rapper, yes. is a co-owner of the team as well. So if they if they can get them, <laughs> if they can get hold of a third charter, you'd think that they have the means of making a third full time entry and. Uh, why not SVG? Yeah, and they've said they obviously they like him. Obviously, they've said uh, that SVG is at the top of their list, so that's pretty strong. Lesser known, Brody. What is is this a cameo for Brody? Brody, you know, obviously, like you say, has a background in this. Is he is he looking to follow Shane over there too, or is he just having a bit of fun? Uh, he's always been interested in. NASCAR, like we said, um, that was his upbringing in motorsport. Still not quite convinced. Maybe if I, I think we'd have to wait for him to uh, to win a championship first or win the Bathurst 1000 first in supercars. That was the indication we got when uh, uh, I asked the question of um, of himself, Will Brown, Brock Feeney mm. at Wanneroo when we had, I think, the youngest podium in uh, in history in the Australian Touring Car Championship, those three all in their early 20s. So he's a different case to Van Gisbergen. Obviously, um, SVG has won Bathurst twice now. He's won the championship three times. He's won mm. the Bathurst 12-hour, which he wouldn't be able to do if he was a full-time NASCAR driver. In this part of the world, there's not much else for him to achieve. Uh, for Brody Kostecki, we expect that he'll uh, achieve those sorts of things in the future if he hangs around long enough. Um, but he has got to hang around long enough to do it. He's going to face a stern challenge even internally at Erebus from Will Brown this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the thing they have in common is a bit of Speedway on the side um, and Cam Waters as well with a Speedway background. Um, and those three have all been linked to, you know, rumoured am American ambitions um, and that's, yeah, that's, you like you say, Kostecki having to achieve more. Cam obviously has been a front runner for years, but hasn't actually, I mean, Shane or Scott McLaughlin's been in the way for him the last couple of years as well. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's fantastic to see them over there and seeing them cut the mustard, um, in terms of Australian and New Zealand races over there. Um, that event though, it's it's August eleven thirteen. It's a it's a double header with IndyCar, right? Yeah, the road course double header. So in terms of supercars, drivers current or former, we'll have Van Gisbergen and Kostecki in NASCAR. We'll have McLaughlin in IndyCar. 
technically Will Powers, a former supercars driver, did the Enduros in yes. 2002 with Larkin Motorsport. So he'll be an IndyCar <laughs> with Team Penske, he being a, a two-time IndyCar champion. And then uh, a couple of other New Zealanders at Chip Ganassi Racing, Scott Dixon and uh, also Marcus Armstrong will be back in the number 11 Honda, giving it to road course. So there'll be six of them. You, uh, yeah, you won't be able to miss them. Yeah, but the thing that didn't miss though, and this is just a side note that came out today, is the um the wheel that hit uh, was it Kyle Kirkwood's wheel hit that Chevrolet Cruze in the car park at the Indy Five Hundred. Now that's not going to happen again because of what what have they actually done? They've done something to is it wheel tethers? They had tethers anyway, right? What have they done to to stop that? They had tethers, so they uh this happened back at the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood hit. Felix Rosenqvist uh, late in that race, and it actually it tore the uh, the left rear wheel off that car. It went flying over the fence and hit a road car that was uh, Thank parked you, outside. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what they've done is they've um, they've actually changed the spec of the rear wheel bearing retaining nut. Now this is right. Uh, this is the first uh, the the uh, IndyCar series is at Iowa. This weekend for double header, so uh, it's their first oval races since the Indy 500. Um, the claim from IndyCar and Dallara is that the new spec has 60% more strength than the old design. So, reading between the lines, the forces must have just been far more great than they ever encountered. The uh, the line from uh, the Lara from the CEO Stefano De Ponti. Um, Can you say that again? The, I just want to hear you say his Stefano name again. De Ponti. <laughs> you <laughs> can probably spell it. Yet. Uh, so, I quote The outcome was the consequence of an unusual and never experienced set of circumstances. So, something new. You can't plan for everything. You don't know what you don't know. Um, yeah but they have made a, a change to the spec, which is mandatory this weekend on all 28 cars that will take on the short oval at Iowa for uh, for that double header. Yep. Awesome. And but before they head over for that, the double header in, uh, or before they head over to um, that weekend with six Kiwi and Australian drivers over in Indiana NASCAR. So we've got obviously the Sydney Motorsport Park round of the Supercars Championship. And there's a few uh, changes for that uh, coming up. Now, I, I don't know what order we need to talk about them in because um, there was some uh, interesting news today that obviously feeds into the Enduros um, and also some changes in terms of pit stops and strategies and subregs for Sydney Motorsport Park. I, I don't know where to start, Daniel. Maybe the uh, perhaps the, the changes for the, the subregs with the pit stops and obviously Sydney Motorsport Park Notorious for high deg, high tire degradation. I can't say it. Um, I'm just going to call it deg. This this is actually going to change. Well, it's going to open up strategies and people who are nice to tires. Um, tell us about that. Tell us about the changes they announced this afternoon. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The further supplementary regulations have come out, and there's a change to the CPS requirement for the Saturday race, which is the 200 kilometer race, the longer one at Eastern Creek that's going to happen on the Saturday night. Normally so with races of that length, uh, exactly, yeah, under the permanent lighting at SMP, 
Uh, normally in those 200 to 250k races, the CPS requirement is two stops. And previously that was enforced by having a fuel drop of 120 to uh, 140 litres, which until this year was larger than the fuel cell capacity. No, so no fuel drop. No fuel drop for this this one then? No, there's a there's a fuel drop. It's 80 litres with um which is less than Newcastle and Townsville, but the races yep. that Saturday race are slightly shorter than their Newcastle and Townsville races. Um but even then it was still mandated that the fuel drop had to get taken over at least two stops. Now the requirement is one stop. We don't know why yet, why uh, Supercars has done this, but what it means because of um, because of fuel range at that circuit and because of the race length, you only have to do one stop to get through there. And Supercars is only going to make you do one stop to meet the CPS requirement. So you've got to sink the 80 litres, which is about... 30-odd second to dwell time. It's about 2.4, 2.5 litres a second, the fuel rate, uh, the fuel rate, flow rate. I'll have another go at it <laughs> with the fuel rigging equipment that they have for Gen 3. So 2.4, 80 litres, that's 33 and a bit seconds. Um, but what it means is the teams have the option of only doing one pit stop in that 200k race. Mm. That's great. You get through on fuel, but tyres are probably going to become... The governing factor, Sydney Motorsport Park is uh, well, it's a bit of a patchwork quilt these days. There are some new mm. sections in terms of the surface. There are some old ones. There are also some very high load corners, particularly uh, the corner, as it's known these days, turn one. The tyre degradation is pretty high. Uh, the compound this weekend is for softs, and these are Gen 3 cars, which... Of less downforce, so they'll move around a lot more at the rear, so they'll wear out their tyres quicker. So I guess the question now is, um, do you try and drive to a number and save the tyres, or do you go a bit harder and make it a more traditional two-stopper? If I had to take a, a stab in the dark at the moment, we saw some strategic variation at Townsville, mainly because the Fords were chewing up their tyres so quickly, and we saw uh, Chas Mostert got a podium in race 16 with a three-stopper. Anton De Pasquale did the same in race 17 when he won that race. Um, we may suspicious. potentially see a, yeah, a mix-up and a strategy battle in Sydney. I'm still suspicious that DJR in car 11 won race 17. I just think that's too symmetrical. Um, and that's interesting. Uh, we talked about... Uh, Sydney Motorsport Park with obviously Gen 3 cars haven't raced there, but they have been there back in February when they tested the first all-in test. But that leads me to the next thing I was going to ask you about. The cars are quite different and they've been as different and and being tested this week. Um, and the Fords obviously in particular, well, the Camaros are different then too because the Camaro obviously had those little wheel packers, as I think Jamie Winkup referred to them as on the front front bar. But there's obviously we've been through quite a few parity hurdles since. But this week we've seen some more testing from Tickford and WAU um, at Winton. Um, and you're at Winton because I know you love it because it's uh, so warm and um, friendly place uh, on a cold day. Um, but, yeah, tell us 
Tickford were out there testing and WAU. What what were they doing at Winton this week that was different? Were they, was it New Era or Maps or what are they what are they working out? What will they tell us anyway? Okay, what they tell us? Well, there's uh, there's no official word yet, but Aero is not changing at the moment. So there was the new aerodynamic package that the Mustangs rolled out with at Townsville, which was designed to address some um, some pitch behaviour or misbehaviour, uh, losing downforce. Under brakes, yeah, when the car nosed forward when it was on the stoppers. So that'll stay the same. We'll get a we'll get a read on how well that worked at Sydney, although the issue was braking zones rather than quick corner. So I guess we'll just see that they haven't lost anything uh, in cornering. It's interesting though, because um, Sydney's more of an aero track anyway. Um so yeah, I mean, did we even really see much at Townsville? I guess Sydney, Sydney's got the hairpin. Doesn't really have any, I don't know about that last long double apex onto the straight, but uh, really heavy stop-go braking areas um, into turn two, maybe obviously because turn one such high speed. Um, but it seems like Sydney Motorsport Park will probably be more of a test or an indication. That, the weird thing for me is how do we know the aerodynamics? We'll know what it's like compared to Camaro on Mustang, but we obviously... We've only driven a Gen 3 car there as a test in February, so it's not like we can compare lap times to last year or anything like that. But, yeah, to, to me, is it a better track to show the changes have had some effect on Mustang than Townsville? I think the engine matter was probably clouding how much we were ever going to learn about aerodynamics at Townsville. There are a couple of different pieces to this jigsaw puzzle. So... By the sound of things, the uh, the aero might have helped at Townsville. As we said, it was it was braking zones rather than high speed downforce. The engine the engine is the one that they're changing, and that's what they've been playing at since Townsville. So if we go into the right. other parody matters, DJR, which is the forward homologation team, Dick Johnson Racing, they were back at Queensland Raceway on. Wednesday, that must have been a tough turnaround for their crew. The truck gets back to Stapleton at some point on Tuesday, and they've got to turn it all around mm. again and send it back out to Ipswich. It's a trek um, from Townsville. Mm. It's just a bit, yeah. So they were running the, an 80 millimeter throttle body in their engine rather than the 87, which they had been running, um, noting also that it's individual throttle bodies rather than that rather than a single throttle body. And that's, just um, to clarify, that's single throttle bodies for all Gen 3 for Camaro and Mustang. For correct. those, for those who may not be as familiar with parity as Daniel Herrero. <laughs> so this, the, uh, the theory the theory is that uh, the 80 mil will just help. Um, we've been told it'll help control the butterfly, actually. So it'll just be a bit nicer on the drivability, a bit more stable. I'll be able to put their power down better. They won't be buzzing the rear tyres and that will prolong the uh, the tyre life. So that's um, that's probably how we'll see it by hitting the high-speed corners as well. There'll be more mechanical grip at any given time, all other things being equal, and they will be uh, better running onto the straights, certainly out of the slow corners. So the... They tried that at, uh, at QR, DJRs, the homologation team. And then their understanding now is that all six Mustangs across uh, Tickford and WAU ran at Winton 
on Tuesday with the 80 mil. So that much was the same. They were playing around with the, uh, the throttle translation map tables, though. And we understand that by the end of the day, they're in a pretty good spot. They're pretty happy um, with what they came up with. So not been locked in yet. They're, uh, they're probably reviewing that at Supercars Motorsport Department and uh, also with DJR and with Ford. But they'll roll out with something different at Sydney to that which they had at Townsville. And it should be an improvement how much of an improvement and whether this is the silver bullet, we don't know. We'll uh, we'll have mm. to see how it goes and we'll probably get a read sort of sometime midway into Saturday night when we're about halfway into that race when they've got about a stint on the, on their tyres and we'll see what the deg is and how the, uh, how the lap time comparo is to the start of the race and, uh, and then we'll go from there. And then, of course, we've still got coming at some point the transient dyno and the torque sensors, which should uh, should help give us some fairly scientific answers as well. I should look this up, but I can't remember. I can't remember the last time a Ford won at Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, off the top of my head, I remember Andre doing all right. I remember the Red Bull. I remember Jamie and uh, SVG fighting a bit. Um, I'm just trying to think. It's one of those places like, I mean, we asked DJR last year after Bathurst, is Mount Panorama one of your bogey tracks now? <laughs> um, given that since Scott McLaughlin won in 2019, they've done okay, but they haven't had the form car, even if they've been the form car at stages before or during during at other racetracks. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I mean, I remember, I remember Glenn Seaton winning in like 1993. <laughs> uh, that's Tim had a pretty good run there when we did four of them in a row in uh, 2021. Well, there you go. So it oh, feels wow. like a long time ago now. So they, yeah, okay. So it's not a, it's not a GM track. Not like a long time there, I can tell you four weekends in a row at the same track. Oh yeah, yeah. That's no, uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's they're they're almost brand new tracks again for everyone in in Gen Three. They they tested there, but the, there was no minimum weight at the time. The the Camaro is back in February. Bar. Um, yep. Yeah, just before Newcastle and the Mustang have been through uh, any number of iterations of engine maps and now new aero. So it'd be interesting to see how much translates from and from that day. And also that was it it uh, did rain on and off at yes, that test day as well. So there wasn't a lot of dry weather running. There's not a lot of uh, repeatability there that day. So I, I don't think they're gonna have too much prior knowledge of Sydney Motorsport Park that's going to be all that useful. Mm. And that, the other thing this leads us into, so after Sydney is tail and bend, um, but we've got the Enduros coming up and uh, one of the mooted co-drivers we've learnt isn't going to be uh, where we thought he might end up. I'm, I'm speaking Joey Mawson um, with uh, Premier also announcing a bit of a, I, I, I don't know if it's shock or a surprise, but um yeah, a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a co-driver shuffle that went on today uh, with Premier Racing. Premier Racing, yeah. So they finalised their uh, enduro lineup. Jonathan Webb is back in the fold. His old team, effectively, he'll be yes. partnering with Tim Slade in the number twenty-three Camaro out of uh, out of Premier Racing, which is a which is a surprise. He drove the car 
when they did their test day on June 1 at Queensland Raceway. But at the time, we thought that might have just been a, a bit of a favour from Peter Zibris to John O'Webb. Of course, um, Peter Zibris, through Premier Hire, had sponsored Techno Autosports in its uh, final season and then bought the team off Jonathan Webb in that off-season leading into 2022. But no, Webb's back. Um, that was a test. raced a supercar since... Yeah, well, that was a test. Hasn't raced a since the 2021 Bathurst 1000, which was the last ever event for Techno Autosports. He's at the time as Team Sydney. Um, we saw him at Bathurst earlier this year. He drove an Audi in the 12-hour in February, one of the Pro-Am entries. Um, but he's back in a supercar, which is an interesting development. We uh, Our understanding is that Tim Slade was extremely keen to get Joey Mawson in that car, and uh, Joey Mawson's never raced a, a supercar, but certainly uh, has demonstrated that he is a talent. So Joey Mawson's done S5000 and mm. other bits and pieces. What what made him attractive as a driver to Tim Slade? Well, Joey Mawson does have a pedigree in you know, the junior Formula A in Europe and that ladder that would eventually reach Formula One. So that probably made him attractive. He's won the uh, S5000 Australia Dri Australian Drivers' Championship twice now. And, of course, he, he drove Slade's car at the season test that we were just talking about at Sydney. So mm -hmm. um, but have a read on how he goes in a supercar and if he can uh, handle three pedals. Sounds like he must be able to. Um, yes. But couldn't get a super license. It was an anomaly about his FIA driver categorisation. Um, yeah, it was weird, that, wasn't it? Strange. Yeah, that would have been into it. See, the super license is a complicated thing. There's... We often throw the term super license around. It's kind of it's a multi-step process now because Motorsport Australia dialed back some super license requirements a year or two ago, but Supercars decided that they wanted to maintain them. So he could have still been eligible for the uh, Supercars Championship if he was categorised FIA Gold, which the general consensus is that he should be. Um, but for whatever reason, he wasn't, and that wasn't going to get solved anytime soon. And then uh, after Premier's announcement, we find out that uh, Joey Mawson has been uh, provisionally suspended over use of a supplement, so he won't even be racing in S5000 for the time being. So wow. even even if uh, the super licence matter had have been resolved and we thought it was going to, then uh, that would have been a, another hurdle. So uh, a couple of things... Wow. working against Joey Mawson there. And that's where we find ourselves. Jonathan Webb is back on the grid. The 2016 Bathurst 1000 winner will be lining up for the great race in 2023. Wow. And that's, uh, yeah, that's a supplement. Yeah. I don't want to get us sued, but I'm curious as to what, what, what that's, uh, yeah, that's tricky. Um, is this a temporary thing for Mawson? Is this career ending or is this is this just a you know a bad a bad year for him as in a yeah he'll get over this and keep going because surely he's talented yeah, he doesn't clearly, lose his driving talent yeah well I mean it's it's clearly not a positive development in the career of Joey Mawson <laughs> but there's uh, 
yeah, yeah. we don't we don't know too much at the moment. The statement from his camp was that um, he'd been using a, a general fitness supplement um, right. for some running and gym training between the first two rounds of the S5000 season. Uh, and then uh, they've said that a, a routine test raised questions. So um, it's a little bit vague, but there's a process going on at the moment, but we uh, we don't have any certainty yet over whether Joey Mawson, uh, over when Joey Mawson will be back. Interesting. That the other driver. So if we head back to Cold Winton in our minds, the other driver looking at um, a Super Two driver that could be looking at a supercar seat. Um, Ryan Wood had a steer of a Walkinshaw Mustang, as in a, a Gen Three Mustang on uh, on Wednesday. And that was that right. Yeah, so Ryan Wood questions. Yeah, well Ryan Ryan Wood is uh one of Walkinshaw and Red United's Super Two drives. And they decided to uh chuck him in one of their Mustangs for uh, for what's called an evaluation day, which is a pretty standard thing. It's been a long running thing in supercars. The the basic idea is that um is that you give some uh, potential future VCS drivers some seat time in a, a current spec car it doesn't count as a test day and basically the team gets to see how he goes obviously mm. and nick nick Perkett is not confirmed beyond the end of the current season and I'm sure everyone's read the uh the speculation about his future so ryan wood uh, is an obvious candidate if it were to be the case that Perkett is not renewed um Interesting, there's still still some whispers that Team 18 has signed him already. They may have snatched him from under the nose at WAU. Um, that's uh, a lot of speculation around at the moment, but it seems like he's uh, he's got options. If that was the case, though, if that was the case, uh, would he? Why would Walkinshaw put him in the car while the while WAU put him in the car? unless he hasn't told them, but then if there's rumors going around, if it is true, that seems odd. But the other question I've got is um, who did he share the track with on Wednesday? You, you raise a good point about WAU giving Ryan with an evaluation, but clearly they think that he's still in play and that's the impression that I get. Um, yeah. They had him in the car with Fabian Coulthard, which, um, which right. is a slightly unusual case because Coulthard is a co-driver so ordinarily that would uh that would not be allowed if fabian still wanted to race in the enduros or they have to classify it as a test day um so is that but going around about this one as well the stated reason from the team is that they're both left foot breakers but Fabs and, and uh, ryan would have left Fabs foot breakers worked closely with ryan wood right because yeah as we were talking about this the other day that Chaz is Gold Coast based, Nick Perkat's Gold Coast based, uh, Fabian's Gold Coast based. You've got Lee Holdsworth, uh, the other co-driver for WAU, um, who's Melbourne based, but I don't know if Lee's a left foot breaker. I don't think he is, but we know Fabs is. But interesting to use Fabs and have to get that dispensation from supercars to do so because 
yeah, it's, uh, it's obviously it's, you know, your benchmark would be your lead driver in Chaz. Um, so yeah, it raises a lot of interesting questions that I, I don't think, um, yeah, we're not, not necessarily a couple of things you could read into that, that, um, I don't think people, uh, necessarily want us to ask, but I mean, yeah, Fabian to drive the car is an interesting choice. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of all I'm willing to say. <laughs> yeah, well, they were, it was, uh, it was the number two Mustang that they were driving, which is Kirkat's usual ride. So mm. uh, Fabian Coulter should be familiar also with how that's set up, assuming they, uh, assuming they retained everything in it from the day before when they were testing. So that Coulter is at least um, a known quantity in that car. He seemed to get some good seat time. On uh, on Tuesday when they did their test, in fact, he, he was doing some runs late in the day. Um, in a, while Mostert was out on the track as well, and they put Nick Perkett back in the car for the last couple of runs of the day. But yeah, a, an interesting one. The, the left foot braking one is what intrigues me as well because uh, yeah, left foot braking apparently uh, very difficult because of the throttle response in the Gen 3 race cars as well. So most of the left footers have actually changed over. Um, we know that Cameron Hill has. Uh, it's been said that Matt Payne has and Richie Stanaway, uh, who's driving with Shane Van Gisbergen in the Enduros, has spoken about it a couple of times. So um, it'll be interesting once, uh, once Fabs has been in the car a bit more often to hear how he's going left footing it because he does it out of necessity rather than out of preference given uh, an injury that he picked up in the uh, younger years of his career mm, mm. yeah it's it's uh yeah uh, i mean fabs obviously um got pensy's first win um and uh yeah was a, a number two to to scott mclaughlin sorry to say number two fabs but um, yeah, it's interesting. He, uh, if the rumors, there's rumors about Nick Perkat. I find that very interesting as well that they're in the actual same car. I mean, Nick Perkat's quite tall, isn't he? And we know Fabs is tall. I don't think Ryan Wood is as tall, but um, I, I, it's it's a again a curious choice as to as to why you wouldn't have Perkat there. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll wait and see how that plays out. I mean. Yeah, Fabian's Fabian's not a uh, the co-driver, and we'll talk about this later, Daniel, in another podcast because I know your passions about Bathurst co-drivers and drivers. Um, but yeah, Fabian, yeah, Fabian. I mean, they came second last year, Chaz and Fabs. Um, what a good combo they were. So uh, yeah, they make a good pairing. That's that's all I'm kind of saying. So, but. Super two as well, though, going back to super two where Ryan Wood is. Um, uh, Zach Best is leading that series at the moment, isn't he? And there's been a few little bits and pieces there as well this week. Uh, quite a bit of activity. It's just been a very busy week. So in terms of E75, the the fuel that the Gen 3, uh, I, I won't call I was wasn't I was going to avoid the term main game, but the fuel that the Gen 3 um, supercars run, so they changed to E75 this year. Um, but obviously last year's or well, the generation before gen two cars in super two aren't running E75 or are they Daniel? Yeah. Uh, E75, the, the championship switched to E75 this year with gen three and 
cut a long story short, Supercars wants to implement it in Super 2 and they want to do it now. So next round of the season in Sandown. So why uh, why do they why do they want to change it? Is it just is it easier to make one fuel? Uh, I mean, it's E85 versus E75. So, and the E75 and supercars is 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 actually unique. I know that it's a. Um, I know that uh, Speak Cafe um, reported the constituents of that that twenty five percent section of that of the E75. But uh, yeah, why? Why would they want to? And how difficult is it? it? It seems like this is a problem, basically, having to switch to E75. It is a problem because there are some spec changes you have to make to the cars. Uh, the uh, the fire bomb, as we call it, the fire suppression system has to change because, um, because E75 burns differently to E85, so they need a an upgraded spec in terms of the firebomb. So that's going to cost, well, the the, the unit itself is about $3,000 with uh, some pipe work that you'd need as well because you'd need bigger piping. That takes it up to, to nearly four grand. Um, there'd be some work in terms of um, best practice would be to reroute the catch cans out the back of the car like they've done with the Gen 3s as well. So yep. Yep. that's another couple of thousand dollars there in terms of um, plumbing. So you're already at nearly $7,000. And then there are conflicting opinions about whether you would need to get your engine retuned as well. And if that was the case, then you're heading easily into five figures. And that's before you might have to do a couple of other things to um, to implement this. And, and going back to that, um, firebomb system is that because E seventy five runs hotter, so engine temps are high. Is that is that why they need a different firebomb system? No, it's not. It's not the heat. Our understanding is that E seventy five has a tendency to reignite. So basically, you need about twice as much extinguisher material. Ah, I see. To put it out if there is a fire. Right. Um, and and hence the new firebomb and. Uh, fine for gen 3 when you're building brand new cars but for the uh the vehicles that run in super 2 and super 3 nowadays you've got to retrofit it and the uh, uh yeah. the position yeah. of most of the teams that this has been uh thrust upon them mid-season it's uh it's a little bit of a gray area at the moment we think there may have been some sort it seems now there they might have been uh some sort of plan at the start of the season that was called off, but now they've been caught by surprise that it's happened in the middle of the season. And uh, to put it plainly or to understate it, there are some uh, some unhappy team owners getting around in mm. Super 2 land at the moment about this. And you mentioned in your report on this as well that some of the cars are leased. So if you're leasing a car, then who pays for it if you want to keep racing it? Well... Yeah, I don't own the car, so do I ask the owner to, or I'm racing the car, so I have to pay for it. So, some potential conflict there as well, um, which doesn't doesn't make it any easier. No, no, that, that's got to be sorted out as well. If the uh, the lesser or the the lesser he pays for it, um, it, it, it's just it's an unexpected. Um, it's an unexpected hit for teams that uh, have already potentially, if they do own them, spent a lot of money 
to uh, to get those cars this year. I think the general consensus the general consensus is that it's best done in in the off season. Um, mm. Supercars did want to implement it. Now we think it's partly commercial and maybe uh, partly just for ease of supply of you know just being able to bring E seventy five for for both competitions yeah. to an event. Um, and maybe we should have talked about this before because we were talking about so Mawson's super license situation. Uh, there's been some changes on the super two super license front as well. Um, now that article only went up just before this, uh, we recorded this podcast, so I don't actually know the ins and outs of that, Daniel. So, what, what actually happened there? Uh, so, the, the changes to and techni- technically, it's not a, a change to the super license rules. It's a change to the uh, the additional requirements that supercars imposes as their right uh, ah. to driver eligibility for VCS. And there are four criteria you have to meet any at least any one of those to get in. And one of them was to complete six rounds, to compete in six rounds of the Super 2 Series over a three-year period. They've now relaxed that slightly. So if you finished in the top three in the Super 3 title race or in Carrera Cup in that three-year period, then they'll only make you do three rounds in Super 2. Uh, right. So what it does basically for the really high-flying Super 2 rookies is that they can do uh, a VCS Enduro or indeed other wild cards, depending on the timing of the calendar, uh, during their rookie Super th- Super 2 season. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I think Roland Dane's column on Speed Cafe talked about who should progress from Super 2 on a, a he mentioned uh, some of the up and coming talent and Joey Mawson's um, license scenario a, a month or two back, I think, but um, yeah, Roland, uh, you can access all of those on the speed cafe site um, and Roland Dane too, uh, as well. Um, we're, we're pleased to share that he has another job. Uh, he'll be writing for talk cafe, which is our motoring site. So our, our sister site to our motorsport site, um, as uh, Speed Cafe and Talk Cafe grow. And uh, so it'll be really interesting to uh, to hear some of his views. And uh, he's very good at articulating himself and, and not shy of an opinion, which is fantastic. We like that. We don't like fence sitting. So, yeah, w- watch out for more of uh, Roland Dane's um, thoughts on Talk Cafe as well as here on Speed Cafe, where this weekend we've got WRC, we've got IndyCar, and, of course, the big thing, though, Daniel Ricciardo's return. So... Uh, this is, uh, I'm intrigued. Um, I'm frightened. I'm excited. I'm all those things. Daniel Ricciardo, you know, just, I hated the way it ended. It could still end worse. I don't know. I mean, Alpha Terry, I, I, I don't know. Maybe Yuki Sonoda trounces him. I hope I'm completely wrong there. I don't think he will, but I, I hope that doesn't happen. So, but we have, yeah, Matt Kosh and Ian Parks on the ground at the Hungara Ring in Budapest for this weekend's Grand Prix. Um, so stay tuned to Speak FA for all the latest results. Um, follow on, follow up and, and interviews. Daniel Ricciardo obviously will be a main focus in the press conferences ahead of the race as well. So um, if you're listening to this, you'll probably have seen some uh, out of Ricciardo from Hungary already. So 
Uh, Daniel Herrera, thank you for your insights. Um, thanks for your time. Very interesting. There's a lot going on at the moment and uh, we're only another week before we go to Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, but uh, we'll have uh, more coming in the next few days and, uh, and of course, in the lead up to Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, so stay tuned to Speed Cafe. You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production. 